The WLEW Sports Network presents The Game of the Week with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, Doug Cole, and Dan Banke. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, powered by AgriValley Services. It's the game we've been waiting for all season. The Beasts of the East get up against one of the best in the West, the Ubbly Bearcats and the Bad Axe Hatchets, in one last game before the playoffs begin. Hello once again from the Huron County seat, Bad Axe, Michigan. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, and I'm your host, Clark Ramsey, for tonight's broadcast. Alongside of me is a true professional as usual. He even has license to prove it. Please welcome Dave Hanson. Thank you, Clark. Happy to be back in Bad X again. We saw a dandy of a football game last week and looking forward to another one tonight. Tonight is the final night of the regular season. The conference hardware has been handed out and the playoff field will be announced on Sunday, but tonight has more than just bragging rights on the line. With a win tonight, it could be very well the difference maker for either team to claim home field advantage in top seating in the respective districts. Well, there's no doubt it. for these young kids, home field means so much to them. And a loss for Ubley probably costs them one home game, but it might cost two home games for Bad X. So very important for both these teams to get a win. The Ubley Bearcats have absolutely rolled through the first eight weeks of the season, securing eight victories and allowing just one touchdown in their last three games. Head coach Eric Sweeney is looking to secure win number nine tonight and head into the playoffs playing their best football yet. And a good win on the road at Bad X would do just that. No doubt about it, but let's be real. Their schedule hasn't been that tough. This game is their true test, their biggest test of the year to see how good this ugly team is and can't wait to see what kind of performance they put on for us tonight. Bad X stumbled for the first time last week, losing by just a point to the Lakers, forcing the Hatches to share their Greater Than West title with both Reese and Lakers. Tonight, head coach Cal Pokley looks to get his team back in gear and finish the season on a high note. And I'll put out there, I didn't think Bad X played a terrible game. I simply thought Lakers outplayed them. Lakers played their best game of the year from first quarter to last quarter, and it was impressive to see and a great win for Lakers. Before we kick off week number nine, we'll host our meeting round table, take a look at our other area games, and break down the game of the week, Ubley at Bad X with the conference's best offense up against the conference's best defense. It's Ubley at Bad X in week number nine. Tonight's presentation of the WLW Sports Network is being brought to you by Thumb Sailor and Agar Valley Services. Dia Services of Cassidy for all of your grain handling needs. Kodak Radiator and Air Conditioning of Bad Axe. Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns. The Here and Daily Tribune, North Star Bank, guiding the way. Here in Auto Parts, Countryside Transportation, McVeigh Insurance Agency, Ubley Motor Service, Smigalski Fear Home, Mayport State Bank, Insure Health. Better health, better life. Are you sure? Internet services are provided by Agar Valley Services on the blazing speed of their TrueNet 4G wireless network. Go to agarvalleyservices.com for broadband internet that you can count on. This game broadcast is a copyrighted presentation of Thumb Broadcasting Incorporated. All rights are reserved. Any reproduction without the express written consent of the WLW Sports Network is strictly, strictly prohibited. prohibited. 
Well, it's hard to imagine, but the end of the regular season is already upon us. It feels like we just began the regular season yesterday while doing our best Neil Diamond impression at the Greek Theater and sweating through those hot August nights. But then again, we've been sweating nearly every single week with all the favorable weather we've had up to this very point. Historically, we are able to wear our golf polos only through the first two, maybe three weeks of the regular season. But this year, we made it all the way through week number eight before having to pull out the shirt, vest, and tie. Last week's rain brought what feels like a ceremonial close to the warm weather through the first eight weeks of the season. However, as we all know, Mother Nature has a sense of humor about herself, and I have a strange feeling that she is going to make up for it come playoff time. It won't be long before my broadcast partner, Dave Hansen, and I will feel the football tower swaying underneath us between the wind, sleet, rain, hail, and snow, all when the gales in November come early. Absolutely, and uh, we look forward to it. That's uh, that's real football weather, so we're looking forward to that. It, it's been really nice and really warm, and as uh, you're all aware, especially in Michigan, uh, the weather everything uh, levels itself out, so I'm sure we'll pay for it in January and February with some sub-zero weather, but for now, I've enjoyed it, and uh, again, speaking of enjoying, I can't wait for this game tonight. Well, if you think back to a year ago, right now, we weren't quite sure what the future was going to hold. There were whispers in the air and rumors flying about about the playoffs being suspended due to COVID and the typical playoff energy was lacking. Fast forward a year, and this season has certainly made up for 2020's shortcomings with great atmospheres week in and week out. It sure has. It was a long hiatus for us, and uh, you know it sure felt good to come back. Very refreshing, and uh, we've seen some really good football games along the way, and uh, nice to see the crowds back into it every week, and I expect nothing less here today. One person who is here week in and week out would be our Director of Sports Information, Doug Cole. Every week for football since the, 20, let's try, since the 2013 season, Doug has traveled all the way from Livonia, Michigan to handle all of our real-time offensive and defensive stats for us. Doug Cole, we apologize. In the last four weeks, you have to drive M53 three times. So if my math is correct, that puts your total drive time on M53 right around 143 hours. Is that uh, correct? That sounds about right. But you know what? There's some nice towns uh, that we I go through, Almont, Marlette, and, of course, Badex, so I don't mind it at all. Yeah, you're so optimistic. I was say, I, you might be the only yeah. person who enjoys or claims to enjoy M53. Yeah, and, and there's no bowl either. You actually mean it, which is absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> but anyways, let's get to the good stuff. Where did you stop on the right here? Uh, I First two uh, stops at uh, are in Badex, I stopped at Steakhouse, but I I want to change it up a little bit, give uh, some love to some other restaurants around the Bad X. So I stopped at Pepper Mill. Ah. It was really good. A staple of Bad X. Does yes. it get, and what'd you have? Oh, I had uh, the lake perch and fries and also a salad. So you got to have something healthy as well. Oh, that, that bounces all right out there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> good. Does, does it get the Doug Cole seal of approval? Yes, it does. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so Doug, dining with Doug can continue for another week as Doug Cole travels the countryside, finds the hot spots of our local watering holes and gives the Doug Cole seal approval when deemed appropriate. The fourth member of our football team and broadcast team is our director of visual data, Dan Bink, your spotter. Last week, Dan was on the road and could not be with us, and as a result, we have made a new rule. If any team is wearing alternate or pink jerseys, Dan Benke is not allowed to travel. <laughs> Absolutely. Either that or uh, uh, I'm going to not make a call until I hear somebody else say it first because, man, uh, yes, we were lost without you last week. We're glad to have him back this week. The pink jerseys look great on Badex, but for everyone but the two of us, Dave, I, I think we were the only two who were complaining about it. We could not, with the pink going to blue top to bottom and then the numbers going blue to pink upwards, 
disaster for us, but we survived one way or another. Yes, that would have been a challenge to uh, the best spotter in the area, but uh, we would have definitely used his help, that's for sure. Well, tonight we'll complete the final chapter in the 2021 regular season. It is week number nine, and the playoff field will be announced in just two days' time, and it's all right here on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. When we return, we'll have our media roundtable presented by Thompson Chevrolet. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network being powered by Anger Valley Services. Listen to the WLW Sports Network in more ways than ever before. Tune to Sports Radio 1021. Listen live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Download the Cruise 102 app on your Apple or Android device. And also listen to all of our broadcasts in replay form on WLWSports.com. And also in podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. It's now time for the Media Roundtable presented by Thompson Chevrolet Bubbly. If you're looking for the latest models from Chevrolet, look no further than Thompson Chevrolet find new roads join me tonight in the flash from the here county view the president of the let's go brandon fan club paul p adams our in-game analyst for wlw sports dave hansen the top spotter north of hall road dan Banky, via text message he's on his way to the game right now and our back-to-back media roundtable champion director of sports information doug cole through the end of the broadcast season we keep score of the game predictions and when the time comes we will deem a media roundtable winner last week everyone was wrong and I mean everyone, except for maybe Dave Lavasser, meaning yours truly, Clark Ramsey, won the week by default. So now it's Dave Hansen with three wins, Doug Cole at two, Paul P. Adams also at two, Clark Ramsey won, and then Dan Banky still going for the perfect season, still looking for his first victory of the season. I think Dan's trying to be like the Lions this year, I guess. That's a good way to put it. Trying to get the first pick of the draft. I like yeah, I like the strategy. I'm not sure how the media round table, I don't think that's how that works. But maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. You know, there's a lot of uh, good players uh, named Brandon. None playing tonight, but uh, I'm a fan of them all. So, uh, you know, let's go Brandon. <laughs> why, get a, why only Brandon, though? Brandon's a great name. Okay. All right. So how it works before this goes off the rails even further, each media representative picks a winner and a final score for tonight's feature game of the WLW Sports Network. The winner is deemed by selecting the winning team and by having the most accurate point differential. If no one selects the correct winner, much like last week, then I, Clark Ramsey, will graciously accept the victory for the week. Since I won last week, it will be the same order as the previous broadcast. So tonight's order is Dan Banky leading off, then it's Paul B. Adams, Dave Hansen, and then finally Doug Cole. <coughs> Dan Banky texted me. He's on his way. He'll be here in about 12 minutes. And Dan Banky thinks we are in for a smash-mouth football game tonight. According to Dan Banky, both teams want to run the ball and use up a lot of playing time. This will be a very close contest, according to Dan Banky. But in the end, Dan Banky thinks it will be Bad X squeaking out a win. He's taking Bad X by two points. Bad X 22, Ubly 20. A two-point victory for the Hatchets. Up next, Paul P. Adams. Yeah, I expected uh, Dan and, and the rest of the panel to, you know, talk about how this is going to be a smash mouth football game. And, and I do believe it's going to be a smash mouth football game. But I believe the deciding factor is going to be through the air. Both of these teams could pass a little bit. I believe Ubley can pass just a little bit better. I'll go back to a week two game where Lakers challenged Ubley to, to pass the ball. 
And all they did in the first half lit that secondary up to the to the tune. I think it was six for six from Evan Peruski. And what he did was loosen that secondary up, made Lakers change their their defense, and then they they gashed them with the running game. I think you could see something similar tonight. Uh, play actions on the table. I think Evan Peruski is going to have a big big night. Uh, I think Ubley, Ubley not only wants this game, Ubley needs this game. This game will guarantee them almost guarantee them three home three home games in the playoffs. I'm going with the Bearcats, 37, Hatchets, 21. 37-21, a 16-point victory in favor of the Ubley Bearcats, 37-21, according to Paul B. Adams, <laughs> sports editor of the Huron County View. Dave Hanson. I agree I with you. I, I hit th- a nerve. I think, uh, oh, no, oh, no. I'm still chuckling about the segment before that. Anyways, uh, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I, my, my question is this. What Bad X team recovers after last week? Uh, they looked like them and Bad or them and Ubley were the best two teams in football since the start of the season, and I did not see the best team in football last week in Bad X. Lakers looked like the best team in the West. Uh, was that a one-off? I don't know. Is Bad, how's Bad X recover? What's the mindset down there? Are they motivated? Are they rejuvenated? Because they this could be a detrimental game to them because the Ubley Bearcats do not make mistakes, they do not make penalties, and they are fundamentally solid. And I think that's enough to beat this team. I think it's going to be a battle. I really do. I hope it is for our sake and our listeners' sake. But I think Ubley's going to win also. I have them 32-18. to 32-18, to 18, a 14-point victory, according to Dave Hansen. In favor of the Bearcats, we have one for Bad X, two for Ubley, and that leaves Doug Cole, our director of sports information. Well, Bad X has had a great season. This is, I think, by far their best season since I joined uh, here in 2013. But I think Ubley is just one step uh, ahead of Bad X. Uh, and I still think Bad X can catch Ubley maybe next year, but I have I, I have Ubley winning this game, 34-14. Um, I just think there's uh, too much offense, and you know, Ubley can throw it. So but give me the Bearcats here. So you're taking the Ubley Bearcats 34-14 by 20 points. So the experts have spoken. Three for Ubley, one for Bad X. Dan Bickey, the lone Hatchets uh, pick tonight, 22-20 to 20 in favor of the Hatchets by two points. Everyone else, Ubley. On the low end, we have Dave Hansen taking Ubley, 32-18 to 18 by 14 points. Stuck in the middle with you, as usual, Paul B. Adams, Ubley, 37-21, to 21, 16 points. Let's go, Brandon. And the high end, Doug Cole. Is that think, Doug's new name? Uh, <laughs> Ubley, 34-14 in favor of the Bearcats by 20 points. Good luck, gentlemen. We'll see how tonight plays out. This one could honestly go either way. All right, let's talk about some other area games going on across the region tonight. And we'll start in eight-player football. We'll have to blast through these. We've got a whole slew of games. Burton Atherton at Kingston tonight. Kingston started out winning three of their first four, but they've lost their three of their last four games. I don't even know if this game's happening. Burton Atherton was kind of on the brink of not having a season. If it's played, give me Kingston. Moving along, New Haven Merritt at Genesee. Does anyone really care about this game? I don't even know if it's happening. Okay, Deckerville at Morris. Hey, here's, the game, here's the game that we're talking about. Both teams 8-0. There are 12 undefeated teams in all of eight-player football in the state of Michigan. Two of them are in this game tonight. The NCTL's two top defenses in the top two offenses on the same field. Nobody's been able to slow down Morris yet. And I know I know Deckerville's got a great, great offense and, and a pretty good defense, but I just don't think the Eagles have enough. Uh, Morris, they're the, they very well could be the best team in Division II uh, this this game here is probably going to give them home field throughout the playoffs. Uh, give me I, Morris. It'll be a very interesting game. We'll definitely have our eye on it, but this game is in Morris. That's a long ride over there. i got to give them the edge, even though we're obviously we're rooting for the Eagles. 
In a crossover game, the NCTL, of course, that game decides the NTL, NCTL Stars division. North Huron in crossover action going to Mayville. North Huron began the season with an 8-0 record. They're trying to make it 9-0, the perfect undefeated season for the first time in school history with a win tonight. Mayville, they began 0-4, and they're 3-1 ever since. Yeah, this is a absolutely massive game for North Huron for so many reasons. You want to get that undefeated regular season, get as many playoff points as you can. Uh, hopefully, that's going to give them two to three home games. Um, and just they haven't been, they haven't had a lot of success against Mayville. Seven and they're they're one and seven against Mayville all time. So uh, yeah, a lot a lot of things on the line here for North Huron. But uh, from what I saw last week against Peck, they are firing on all cylinders. No question about it. I think North Huron answers the bell and shows up big today. Carsonville Port Sandlack was supposed to play Flint International tonight. Flint International has packed their pads away for the season. So CPS went out and found Merrill who's 4-4 four and four on the season, and they're playing in Merrill tonight. Uh, give me the Vandals in this one. I didn't even know this was on the schedule. Uh, the eight-player the eight games have been really in flux, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the Vandals. All the CPS has had a nice season. They have, but it, it's in Merrill, and I think I think Merrill gets a win as well. Akron Fairgrove at 1-7, Caseville at 0-8. Caseville looking to snap a 26-game losing streak tonight. Their last win happened to be Akron Fairgrove back in 2018. Akron Fairgrove's only win was Ashley in week number two. They're 0-6 since. It's homecoming for the Eagles, but I don't think they're going to send the, the, the fans away with a, a victory tonight. I think Akron Fairgrove gets this one. I do, too. I just I just don't see enough there in Caseville for to make this happen. I think Akron Fairgrove wins as well. Ashley at 1-7, Peck at 5-3 in Peck tonight. And a game that Ashley really hasn't played many games lately. This is another game. I don't even know if it's being played. If it is, Peck is going to win this game. Uh, Peck's still a really good quality team. Uh, just not up to the level where North Huron was. But, uh, yeah, uh, Ashley, not a very good team. Yeah, and, and with numbers being low, it, Peck's going to win this game. Run it away. In one game taking place tomorrow, Saturday, Bay City all Saints, the Catholics of Bay City taking on the Catholics of Mount Pleasant, Sacred Heart. Both teams 6-2. and two. Bay City all Saints four wins in a row. And seven-tenths of a point separate them from no Division II playoffs. Right now, Sacred Heart is in. With a loss, they might be out. Right. Now, so... I mean, a lot of lot of things on the line in this game. Uh, I think Sacred Heart just has a really good offense. It tends to take advantage of teams that are a little bit uh, lower tier. I think they'll win this game uh, and secure that playoff spot. I do, too. They got some really nice playmakers when they get out in space, and if they do that, I think they'll be all right. In 11-player football, in non-conference action, being week number nine, Tawas travels to Lakers tonight to take on the 6-2 and two Lakers. Lakers last week's 21-20 win forced a three-way split of the Greater Them West and likely secured a playoff spot for the Lakers. Tawas has been outscored 62-361. to Yeah, uh, you know, Dave and I, I think we talked off the air, that was the best game Lakers has played that we've seen in a long, long time. Hopefully they keep that momentum going. Uh, they had it all going. Finally got that running game going a little bit. Uh, passing game, we know how good that is. But it was the defense that really stepped up and did the job. Uh, Tawas comes right at the right time. Get yourself right for the playoffs. They're going to roll into the playoffs. Yeah, no problem. No worries about a letdown game here because even if they don't play their best game, they're going to beat Tawas no matter what and really set up the, what could be a great rematch no matter who it is next week. Allegedly, KPAC is back to playing the 11-player football tonight. They're hosting Marine City Cardinal Moody. Melvindale Academy of Business and Technology is traveling to Memphis. Marlette is at Algonac, Carroll at Burton Bendel, and Beaverton at Cassidy. Well, the only one, the, the one that really sticks out, there's two games to stick out here. I, I could care less about KPAC, Memphis, and Carroll. Sorry, guys. Uh, Marlette is playing for uh, 
getting into the playoffs, playing for playoff position. Uh, a win there could likely earn them a home game next week. Uh, the latest news projections have them uh, playing against a, a rematch of last week with Harbor Beach. They went three overtimes, so a very important game. I think win or lose, Marlette's in, but if they lose, that could be a return trip to uh, – to Harbor Beach, or it could be a trip to Ubley, depending on how everything shakes out. I think the other game you're talking about is Cass City-Beaverton. We've seen Cass City really turn it on here in the second half. Those younger players are really starting to come around. I think they're going to get a big win tonight, an all-important fifth win for them, and slide right into that same division you are just talking about. In Greyertham Conference crossover action, Sandusky travels to Reese. Sandusky's have won their last two games, Memphis and Brown City, after starting out the season 1-5. Reese, their only loss of the season was against Bad X, two wins since. Yeah, Reese, again, in those latest news projections, this is a must win for the Rockets. A win here could likely get Reese home field in the district. Uh, that was unthinkable when, a couple of weeks ago when we were walking off the field here when they got beat 37-7, to but how things have changed. So Reese has all the motivation to play very well in this game. And I think they'll handle their business. Sandusky is a young team with low numbers. Uh, I think they'll be all right in the future, but this year uh, there's a lot of mistakes being made on that team. Reese will take advantage and get that important eighth win. Harbor Beach is on the road at 5-3, and three, taking on a reeling USA who's 2-6. and six. Harbor Beach looking to make it three wins in a row for the first time this season. They are the 21st team in the Division 8 playoffs, which of course has 32 teams. USA has dropped three straight games. They lost to Vassar last week, 20-6. to six. You, you would have told me this three weeks ago, and, and Harbor Beach would be a heavy favorite. I would not have believed you. Uh, you know, we talked all year about USA was one of the best low-win teams we saw, but that loss to Vassar last week inexplicable. Uh, Harbor Beach, I think, has really found itself uh, kind of going back to the power run game a little bit, which uh, which we definitely like to see, uh, and we know that's an explosive offense, so Pirates seem to be getting right at the right time. Uh, their defense is playing better, and I think if their defense can perform at a decent level, that gives the offense more opportunities, keeps them in games where they can run, so they can actually power run the ball if they want to, spread it out when they want to, makes them dangerous. I was worried about Harbor Beach beginning of the year, when I saw this on the schedule, not worried tonight. I think Harbor Beach takes care of business. Brown City at 1-7, and seven, traveling to Vassar. And Vassar, with a win over USA, snapped a four-game losing skid, and it ties their most wins since 2016 with three. I, I guess I'll go with the Falcons in this. I don't have much to add other than that. I saw Brown City. Uh, it's a young team that's just uh, really, really beat up. Injuries have just decimated that team, so give me the Vulcans. I agree. I think Vassar wins at home. Brown City's just just hasn't done anything. The only team they beat is KPAC, and KPAC couldn't even feel the team last week. So uh, I just don't think Brown City has much to offer this year. Vassar will stumble through their fourth win. And the final game is the game of the week on the WLW Sports Network. Ubley at Bad Axe, and the experts have spoken. Three taking Ubley, one taking Bad Axe. Dan Becky taking the Bad Axe hatches 22-20 to 20 by two points. Dave Hansen taking Ubley by 14 points, 32 to 18. Paul P. Adams taking Ubley by 16 points, 37 to 21. And Doug Cole taking the over at Ubley, 34, Bad Axe 14 by 20 points. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the away team tonight, the Ubley Bearcats, right here on the WLW Sports Network. Listening to the WLW Sports Network, Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, Doug Cole, and Dan Banky with their call tonight from the Huron County seat of Bad Axe, Michigan. It's week number nine, the final week of the regular season, and we're in for a great one. The Ugly Bearcats on the road taking on the Bad Axe Hatchets. 
And let's talk about those ugly Bearcats. With a win tonight, the Ugly Bearcats would secure their third straight season with at least nine wins, and the Bearcats are well on their way to their seventh straight winning season. Along with that, this Sunday will start Ugly's 19th playoff run in 21 years, missing the postseason in just 2013 and 14. There have been a number of different coaches throughout the years, but they all stem from the same coaching tree and are all disciples of the same coaching legend in Jerry Herp. Eric Sweeney is the current leader of the program for his second season at the helm, but has been part of the program for many years. It is off to one of the best starts that a head coach could ever ask for. You're absolutely right, and it's a great stat. Coach Sweeney took over for Coach Bill Sweeney after he retired in 2019. Eric Sweeney is actually the winningest coach in Ubley history through their first 20 games, going 17-3. and And that makes you wonder, what did all these other really good coaches go? And Bill Sweeney was 15-5, and Dave Kaufman 14-6, and and Jerry Herp was just 11-9 in his first 20 games. So there's some amazing stats there, but like you said, Clark, just an, an awesome coaching tree here, and all four of these guys have been very, very good. Much like Ubley's head coach, the quarterback is also in his second year under center, but the difference is that the QB1 slot is filled with by just a sophomore. Still in his second year of high school, Evan Peruski is making his 21st start as the play caller for the Bearcat program, which includes leading his team all the way to the state finals a year ago, falling short to Centerville at Ford Field. One thing that has proven time after time is that Evan Peruski is one of the best athletes in the entire career of the conference. No question about it. He had a stellar year, put himself on the map last year as a freshman. Sophomore year, he's doing more great things. He's carried the ball just 65 times, but over 600 yards and 11 scores. He averages nine yards every single time he carries the football. They use him in just perfect spots, setting this play up, even passing. He's 13 of 20 for 375 yards and six more touchdowns. That's unheard of in Ubley football, but that play is there. They have the athletes. He has the ability to throw it, and he hasn't thrown a pass since week six. The only thing more constant in life than death and taxes very well may be that the Ubley Bearcats will run the ball, especially out of the wing tee offense. As a team, the Bearcats have rushed for just under 2,300 yards on 265 carries for 38 touchdowns. That's an average of 8.5 yards per carry in 327 yards per game. Not bad when the number one offense in the Greatham Conference runs out of the wing tee, historically known as a slow-developing offense. Yeah, don't tell the Bearcats that. It is a high-powered offense over there in Ubley, and they got three backs that can do it all and beat you at any time. It starts with their senior, Colin Oberski. He's got 50 carries, 300 yards, and eight touchdowns. He's the grinder, the power back. But the guy they're all talking about is junior Mark Heilig. He's the speed threat. He averages nine yards a carry. He's got almost 700 yards and 10 TDs on the year and the forgotten man might be another senior but he's had a heck of a year too logan mueller he's six foot 165 pounds he's only got 28 carries but he's taken it for 280 yards and another four scores he averages 10 yards a carry so any one of these guys can beat you anytime and don't forget if peruski wants to pull it keep it himself around the outside that is another threat and has been wreaking havoc for opponent defenses this year the elderly bearcats pass the ball but only when they need to to keep opposing defenses off balance on average, the Bearcats attempt three passes per game, but completing two of them for an average of 54 yards. Bruski has thrown the ball to just three players this season, Matt Brandle, Cal Sweeney, and Cal Noberski, 
with each averaging anywhere from 12 yards per catch all the way up to 36. And I absolutely love it because the Ugly Bearcats, yes, they can beat you simply by running the football, but they run it so well. When defenses creep in, Coach Sweeney is not afraid to throw the football with this sophomore quarterback. And Kyle Sweeney's been the leading receiver. He plays tight end 6'1", 175 pounds. He's got seven of those completions for 257 yards and three TDs. He's the guy that's averaging 36 yards a catch. Colin Oberski just has three catches, but 84 yards and a score. He hasn't caught a ball since week three. They haven't had to throw it. Matt Brandle's the other guy. He's got the other three catches, and two of those went for touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, the Bearcats give up an average of 13 points a game. That's the number two best defense in the conference, and second only to their opponent tonight, the Bad Axe Hatchets, and we'll look at them next. We are 22 minutes away from kickoff between the Ugly Bearcats and the Bad Axe Hatchets. Keep it locked on your home for high school football, the WLW Sports Network, being powered by Anchor Valley Services. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, Doug Cole, and Dan Bank with your call tonight from Bad Axe, Michigan for the second straight week for the final week of the regular season. The Bad Axe Hatches hosting the Ugly Bearcats. To build a program from the ground up, a lot of milestones and achievements have to be met. But on the flip side, you're also going to experience some growing pains and some missed opportunities. Last year, the Blue and Gold clinched a share of the Greater Than West title along with Gas City. A week ago, the Bad Axe Hatchets had the opportunity to win the Greritham West Championship outright for the first time in 43 years. Unfortunately, they saw that chance slip through their hands, falling short to Lakers by a point and forcing a three-way split of the 2021 title. Now, seven days later, Cal Pokely is looking to get his program back on track. Yeah, it's, it's been a great season for uh, for uh, the Hatchets. Uh, nobody will question that, but that, that loss last week was painful. They were definitely favored. It was on their home field, a chance to really uh, start things over for this football program, get that outright title, and it just didn't work. But Cal Pokely has done a really nice job. He's coached 16 games. He's 12-4 and four in those games. This is year two at the helm. He's got two Greater Thumb West championships. That's pretty darn good to start. But this game, in my opinion, means more to the Hatchets than it does to Ubley. I think Ubley can go anywhere and have success running the football with their fundamentally soundness and defense. But for Bad X, they were emotionally punched in the gut last week. How do they respond? Do they come back rejuvenated, remotivated? Or are they still sulking about last week? We're going to find out in about 16 minutes because it won't take long. One of the players that Cal Pokely can lean on to get the Hatchets back on track is his junior play caller in Keaton Brown. He's a dual-threat quarterback that offers the whole package with speed, vision, footwork, arm strength, and the ability to make play one step ahead of the defense. He enters tonight as the fourth most productive rusher in the conference and just one of five quarterbacks in the league with over 400 yards passing on the season. Uh, he's, he's obviously a vocal point to this offense. 5'11", 180-pound junior. He's 26 of 46 through the air. He does have three picks, but just under 500 yards passing and nine TDs. Oh, by the way, he's the leading rusher on this team. He averages 6.8 yards a carry. He's got just under 700 yards on the ground, six touchdowns, averages that seven yards a carry, and 18 yards a completion. He is the, heart, the, the heartbeat of this offense through the air and on the ground. He's not the fastest guy, but like you said, Clark, with the vision, he moves at the right time, he can see the hole, and he maximizes every run. 
The Greertham Conference has just two teams with over 2,000 rushing yards this season, and they're both on display tonight. As a team, the Hatchet, rush, Hatchet teams rush for an average of 283 yards per game on 34 carries and four touchdowns on average. After Brown, the Hatchets have run support from Griffin Meinhold, Devin Howard, Blake Tulaski, and Evan Schenk. Uh, they have a whole bunch of guys that they like to get in on the action, but you got to start with Griffin Meinhold, number seven. He's the playmaker. He's the big play threat. 5'10", 180-pound junior as well. He's got 55 carries on the year, averages 11.5 yards a touch. He leads the team with nine rushing touchdowns on the year. But you see a ton of guys get the ball in equal parts. Devin Howard, Blake Tulaski, and the... One B back would be Evan Shank. He's the straight-ahead fullback. He only averages about five yards a carry, but he goes straight ahead. He's the short-yard punisher that kind of offsets the speed that Keaton Brown and playmaker ability that Griffin Meinhold bring. Much like their opponents tonight, the Hatchets pass on a limited basis, but on a very effective basis. Quarterback Keaton Brown has his choice of receivers to throw to. He does, and he has the great combination of size and speed. He can throw it to 6'4", Jake McPhee, uh, who would play a fabulous tight end. He's got six catches, 100 yards, and a couple scores. But as we know, I just mentioned, Griffin Meinhold is the ultimate utility tool on this team. He kicks, he can throw, he runs, he catches, he can block. There really isn't too much that he can't do. Does he do and windows? I think he does. Okay, alright, just checking. He, he can do it all, and they like to get him the football in space. Whether it's a jet sweep, whether it's a reverse, whether it's a screen pass, they will throw him the ball deep if they want to. Griffin Meinhold, 145 yards, a couple scores. He averages 24 yards a reception. He's the guy they want down the field. To complement Bad X's offense as a unit on the other side of the ball, second to no one in the Greertham Conference. Last week's loss was the first time since week number one that the Hatchets have allowed more than a single touchdown in any game. They'll have their hands full tonight against a potent ugly offense. And there's no doubt in my mind they're going to give up more than one touchdown tonight. <clears throat> I'm not worried about either defense. They're both going to play well. But this Bad Axe offense, I want to see how they handle the toughness of an ugly defense. It's the final week of the regular season. It is the best of the West up against the beast of the East right here on your home. Bryce School Football, the WLW Sports Network, being powered by Anger Valley Services. It's week number nine, the final week of the regular season right here on the WLW Sports Network. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, Doug Cole, and Dan Bank with your call tonight from Bad Axe, Michigan. As the crow flies, a mere seven and a half miles separate Bad Axe and Ubley High Schools. If traveling via a Thompson Chevrolet vehicle, it's a 12-mile but comfortable journey and covering just 10 miles of roadway. North and M19 in West End 142 through the main light and turn right onto Hatchet Drive. Tonight's game features the third largest and smallest schools in the Greertham Conference. Bannex has 359 students in the eyes of the MHSA, of course co-oping with Owen Gage, while Ubley has 170. So as far as school size goes, in the eyes of the MHSA, it's Bannex by 189. That's more than double the students of Ubley at 170. This evening marks the 39th time since 1979 that the Bannex Hatchets and Ubley Bearcats have played each other in football. 39 times in 43 years, not playing in 97, in 98, and then again in 2018 and 2019. In the overall series, Ubley has a sizable lead, actually, with 28 wins compared to Bad Axe with just 10. The Bearcats have won 9 of the last 10, 
and only handshed victory came in 2014. For the 2021 campaign, the Ugly Bearcats are boasting the best offense of the 14 GTC teams, averaging 47.6 per game. Badax has the fourth best with 36.9, still nothing to sneeze at. So offensively, on average, it's ugly by 10.7 points. Defensively, we are in for a treat tonight. This crossover matchup offers the top two defenses in the entire conference. Badax at number one, ugly at number two. The Hatchets are allowing an average of 10.1 on defense, ugly close behind at 12.9. So on defense, it goes in favor of the home team, Badax, by 2.8 points. Las Vegas has set their line for the game in their confident line, unless it's wrong. Our colleagues at the Ohio State University in Jabril Peppers. Sports wagering department, setting their factoring in all possibilities, stats, injury, weather, and location. The spread for tonight's game sits at ugly 5.5 points. Today is the 295th day of the year, meaning they're just 70 days until New Year's Eve. And Dave, now that Phil Granovich isn't here tonight, we can actually invite Gerald Pruill to our New Year's Eve party. Except. I would like to think you'll happily accept. I, th- I think you would. We'd like to say hello to all of our listeners tuning in tonight, whether you're currently on your way to the game, heading home from work, at home making dinner, or perhaps you're feeling lazy. And, well, frankly, here we are, which, Dave, that leads me to this week's trivia question. The Cuban Missile Crisis. Sounds good. Let's see what you got. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. It was on this day, actually, in 1962, 59 years ago, that President John F. Kennedy addressed the nation about the Soviet Union building and arming the island of Cuba with intercontinental ballistic missiles capable of launching nuclear weapons towards America. Dave, my first question to you is how many days lasted in the Cuban Missile Crisis? Well, <clears throat> I'm sure that Mr. Mooney's out there somewhere just hoping that I'm going to get all these right. I, I know I'm close, but I thought it was 14 days. You're very close. 13 days, actually. Depends what time zone you're in, I suppose. For nearly two weeks, the world feared a nuclear war would break out between the United States and Soviet Union. President Kennedy ordered a, quote, quarantine of all incoming ships to the island of Cuba to halt in any more nuclear weapons being installed. The word quarantine was purposefully used, even though it was technically called a blockade, but using the term blockade would have been deemed an act of war, and the Soviets could have retaliated with nuclear war. One of the key pieces of evidence were photos of the missile sites in Cuba taken from spy planes such as the U-2 spy plane. One of those pilots was actually from the great state of Michigan. Dave? What pilot was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan? I do not remember his name, Clark. You'll have to tell me. I do not know. Roger Chaffee. Roger Chaffee. All in all, Roger Chaffee flew 82 missions over Cuba and was later selected to be part of the NASA manned space program. Roger Chaffee was the pilot for Apollo 1 but was killed in the capsule fire during the plugs out test in 1967 during that Apollo 1 fire with astronauts Gus Grissom and Ed White. Those 13 days of the Cuban Missile Crisis were the closest points in history of nuclear war ever breaking out. It was so close that a Soviet submarine nearly launched a nuclear missile at a U.S. aircraft carrier. Dave, my final question is, what prevented the Soviets from launching that nuclear missile from the submarine? All right, I believe I know this one. I, I, not everyone agreed to fire it. I believe it was three, three people had to agree and one of them didn't. You're correct. It requires all three senior commanders on board to agree, and of the three commanders on board, two voted to launch the nuclear bomb, which was the same size as the one used on Hiroshima. The third commander did not want to jump to conclusions, since they were, get this, they were underwater for three straight weeks, they had very little contact with Moscow, and ironically, 
they did not even know that the Cuban Missile Crisis was happening. And thank goodness that was the case. And speaking of explosive plays, Dave, what are your three keys to tonight's game? <laughs> no doubt about it. Let's start with the home team. For the Bad Axe Hatchets, I'd like to see them reestablish this running game. It was a little stagnant last week. The Lakers had the answer for that running game, and it threw a monkey wrench into what Bad Axe wanted to do. They want to run the football, and they're going to have to reestablish that running game. All three backs, Keaton Brown's got to run better. you got to see uh, Griffin Meinhold run better. This team relies on the run, and if they can do that, they will have a good chance of winning the football. For the other side, Fielby Bearcats, what can you say about them? Continue the dominance. Do not look past this team. Beat down this team like you do every other week. They are fundamentally sound. They are disciplined. They may not be the biggest. They may not be the fastest team, but they are efficient. They are effective, and they move people out of the way just enough for those backs to find that explosive play. And for Bad X, they need short-term memory loss. They need to absolutely forget that last week happened and go out there and play like you did the first seven weeks and play tough, hard-nosed football, get back to hitting people on defense, let Keaton Brown throw it a little bit when necessary, and make defenses uncomfortable. And if Bad X can forget last week or at least use it as motivation, we're going to see a heck of a ball game come right down to the last possession. Current conditions in Bad X, Michigan are 43 degrees with cloudy skies. They're calling for a 15% chance of rain this evening. Winds are out the north, northeast at 2 miles per hour and gusting up to 5 miles per hour. Visibility is at 10 miles. Barometric pressure is at 30.03 inches and holding steady. And the dew point is at 35 degrees. It feels like it's 43 degrees out. The humidity is at 75%. Sunset was, well, 20 minutes ago at 6.38 tonight. And we're currently in a waning gibbous moon phase. So I think it's safe to say it's a beautiful night for football. On October 22nd, we have 10 hours and 41 minutes of daylight. We lost 20 minutes of daylight since our last broadcast. Sunrise at 7.57, sunset at 6.38 p.m. Ubley won the toss, elected to receive. Thank you, sir. We will take the ball and march down the field on offense first. Your officials tonight from the Bay Region, we'll call it. Your referee from Midland, Michigan is Brian Roberts. We're in the white cap. Your umpire from Hemlock, Michigan, Mark Hingston. Headlinesman Brad Crampton from Midland, line judge Tony Garcia from Bay City, and back judge would be Brady Deke from Saginaw, Michigan. Now we listen in to the Bad X Marching Band with their pregame show as well as our national anthem right here on the WLW Sports Network. The Ubley Bearcats in town in week number nine of the regular season, the final week of the regular season. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network, your home for high school football.
Rendition from the Bad Axe Marching Band. Let's take you through that starting lineup for the LB Bearcats who will start out on offense receiving the opening kick as they won the opening toss and elected to receive. At quarterback, he's a sophomore, 5'11", 170-pound sophomore. Quarterback also plays free safety. He's also the long snapper on special teams. Number 10, Evan Bruski. In the backfield, left to right across your backfield would be number 47, Kyle Norbruski, a running back, 6'1", 180 pounds, and the senior. In the middle, number 27, that'd be your fullback, Mark Heilig. He's a junior, 5'10", 165 pounds, also plays cornerback on defense. And your third back tonight, number two, Matt Brandle, typically plays tight end. He tonight, he's a 5'11", 155-pound senior in the backfield. On your front line, at center tonight, number 77, Ethan Gillig, 6'2", 195-pound senior. At left guard, number 57, Aiden Makoviak, left guard as well as linebacker on defense, 5'10", 165-pound junior. At right guard, number 68, Parker Peruski, also plays defensive tackle on defense, 6'0", 170-pound junior. Number 76, Mitchell Foote would be your left tackle, 6'3", 250-pound sophomore on your right tackle. In the start tonight, number 61, Logan Vollmering, 5'10", 180-pound junior. And your tight ends tonight, Number 12, Chris Oswald, a 6-foot, 185-pound junior, as well as number 22, Kyle Sweeney, a 6-foot, 180-pound senior. Kicking things off for the Obli Bearcats, for the, excuse me, for the Banax Hatchets has, well, frankly, the entire team except for Griffin Meinhold was on the wrong side of the field, so they get these things squared away. Finally, everyone doing their best Detroit shuffle out there. 12 minutes are on the clock, so kicking things off would be number 7, Griffin Meinhold, one of the best kickers in the entire Gravitham Conference. Deep back for the Ubley Bearcats, stay on their own five-yard line. Number 27, Mark Heilig, as well as number 10, Evan Bruski. Quarterback, free safety, long snapper, drives the bus, and everything in between. And he does windows. We yes, he does. Out. Griffin Meinhold kicking left right across your radio. Ubley on the far right. There are away white uniforms, black pants, traditional black helmets with a black face mask. 
FedEx back to their traditional blue uniforms, gold stripes on their sleeves, and is brought in by Highly at the 12-yard line. And cuts back in the middle of the field. He's loose across the 35, down to midfield. He's in Badak's territory, and he's tripped up by Griffin Meidhol and forced out of bounds deep into Badak's territory at the 40-yard line by the kicker, Griffin Meinhold. So a heck of a return for Mark Heilig from the 12-yard line all the way across midfield to the other 40. First and 10 from the plus side of the field. That's a huge way to start, and you're, you're the first sign of this game of who's going to come out and play tough. The, you see Ubley Bearcats strike first with a huge return by Mark Heilig. They're going to start this first drive already in Bad X territory. A 48-yard return for Heilig. He's averaging 48 yards per return. Go figure on that. As Bally's defense coming in, or Bally's offense coming out, the wing tee, straight tee, backfield, working off the right hash, right to left across your radio in their road white uniforms. Evan Peruski under center. Weighing the snap. It's a handoff to the third option. Colin Obruski, number 47, trying to find that right gap. And he goes maybe out for a hard yard. Stopped by Evan Schenk, defensive end. And they're going to give him a yard based on the spot of the 39-yard line. That's being a little generous there. Badax's defense holding strong. Yeah, Badax flying to the football. You saw 12 get there. I saw Jake McPhee come up there and make sure there was no yards after contact. Swarming to the football in the first play. Colin Oberski is in the, the, back, the backfield to the left of the quarterback. He's the last option around the right side, and it was shut down for a short gain. That good snap. It's a handoff to Matt Brandle. Goes right up the gut, and he's dragged down by three or four blue jerseys across the 35-yard line down to the 33. Jake McPhee cleaning him up. He's the six foot four, 218-pound junior middle linebacker. They're going to give him a gain of six on the play, third down and three. And Matt Brandle there. He's going to, you're going to see him on the right side. He comes... Basically, same play. They just run it the opposite way with the opposite back. So in the back of the backfield behind the quarterback to the right is where Matt Brandle is going to be. He takes that handoff around the left side, and he comes right into that defensive secondary where Jake McPhee has to chop him down. Evan Bruski splitting the hash marks. Left side of your radio now facing the left side of your radio. Quarterback keeper Evan Bruski to the near sideline. Cuts back up, and he's brought down short of the 30-yard line. They're going to mark him down about the 30-and-a-half-yard line, pushed down by Griffin Meinhold out of the secondary. Short of the first down marker, fourth down and a yard to go. Yeah, and that's a yard would be way too much. It's probably less than that, but a really good shot there by Griffin Meinhold. Evan Bruski keeps it for himself. That's normally a play that ugly saves for a little later in the game. But they really wanted that first first down. And Evan Peruski cut back up the middle. Griffin Meinhold cuts with him and makes a fantastic open field tackle to bring up this fourth down and short to go. Probably going for it. At the 30 and a half yard line quarterback sneak, and it's a bit of a messy play. Evan Bruski on the quarterback keeper across the 30-yard line. Currently, mark him down to the 29-and-a-half-yard line. They're going to give it to him. Tackle made by Hayden Miles. Defensive tackle, 5'11", 190-pound junior. Ubley converts on fourth and less than a yard to go. First and 10 from the 30, excuse me, from the 29-yard line. Well, that's telegraph just a little bit. If you're watching the quarterback, you see just before the snap starts, he puts his left foot behind him, and that's him ready to lean forward and follow that center forward going off the snap count. And Evan Bruski does an excellent job falling forward right on top. No doubt about it. As soon as he fell forward, he got a full yard and a reset of downs now for the Ubley Bearcats. 9.28 remaining in the first quarter. No score. Ubley on the first drive tonight. First and 10 from the Bad X 29-yard line. This drive started at the 40. Hand off to Mark Heilig right up the middle and Bad X's defense swarms to the ball. 
leading the charge was Noah Braun, outside linebacker, 5'10", 205, junior. A gain of two on the play, second down and eight. So the first two runs, you see Evan Peruski at least fake to one back, if not two, and give it to the third option. They are much slower developing runs. This time, when Peruski turns around, Mark Heilig right in the middle is going straight ahead. He's the first handoff, the fullback in this situation, straight ahead, and he pounds forward for a good three yards on the play. Going with the wing tee to the left, Matt Brandon on the blocking back, wing back to the left side. Two down to the backfield, Oberski and Heilig. Evan Bruski under center working off that left hash of the 27-yard line. Handoff to Mark Heilig again. Blue Jersey's trying to stand him up at the 30-25-yard line. They say he's down at the 25-and-a-half. Stop made by Ben Nugent, the senior for the Bad Axe defense. Third down in mid-range, third down in six. Good job by the Bad Axe defense. Not being fooled by the change in the backfield. You take Brandle off the right side. You put him on the left end. You overload that left side. Ubley's trying to spread the linebacking core out, ope up the middle of the field, but no such luck. It's just a two-yard gain on that play. They power right through that left side. Bad Axe answers now. Third down and six for the Bearcats. Eight minutes remain in the first quarter. Same formation. Wing T to left, working off the left hash again. Bruski under center. Oberski in high league and his quarterback sweep out to pass downfield wide open and it cannot be brought in by Chris Oswald down to the 15-yard line and hit his hands a little in front of him, a little low as well. Incomplete, another third down non-conversion, fourth down and six to go. That's inexcusable. That's a drop ball, Clark. you got to make that catch all day long. And Chris Oswald, instead of... It was a little low, I'll give you that, but we're talking between the knees and the hips. you got to go down and get that ball. He tried to make that outstretched catch and turn it into a touchdown where if he goes a little lower to the ground and secures the catch, it's an easy first down. And I'm impressed with Evan Peruski. They fake everything to the left. He rolls out to his right as a left-hander. He's got to turn around and cross his body and make that throw. I thought it was a pretty good throw right in front of him and a drop pass. Now wing tee to the right side. Pitch out to Mark Heilig on fourth and six. He's trying to find the seam, and he's brought down in the backfield at the 24-yard line, four yards short of the first down marker. Evan Schenk wraps up Mark Heilig on the sweep and pitch out to the right side. Turnover on downs for the LA Bearcats, giving the ball back to the Bad X Hatchets. Nice job by Evan Schenk. Mark Heilig, I think, had a chance. He cut it up the middle and then had to recut it back outside. I think if he continues to just angle towards the, the outside boundary, I think he can get the angle to the first down marker. It would have been close. But when he decided to cut up the middle and it wasn't there, momentum's lost, and Evan Shank was right on top of him to bring him down in open space. And the Bad X Hatchets win this first series as they take over with 7.44 to go in the first quarter with no score. The single wing offense for the Bad X Hatchets on the field now marching left to right across the right of Keaton Brown on the keeper on the direct snap across from the 24 out to the 26-yard line. Tackle made by Aiden Makoviak, middle linebacker for the LA Bearcats. Big beast in the middle there trying to clog him up, and he does so after just a two-yard game for Keaton Brown. I love that. Big beast, 5'10", 165. Right, right. Don't he plays mess, a lot bigger. Don't mess with him, and that's exactly right. He gets lower than everybody else, and he fills that gap. Keaton Brown, nowhere to go. Falls ahead for a yard. The officials might give him two, but that would be at the very most. It's 0-0. Badax on offense has ugly stalls out at the 24-yard line of Badax. Cannot convert on fourth and six. Single wing to the right, Hollingsworth wide to the right. Facing a second and eight from their own 26-yard line. Evan Shank gets the direct snap. He leaps across the 30-yard line out to the 32-yard line. Stop made by Mark Heilig out of the secondary. It's going to be a gain of five on the play, third down and three upcoming for the Bad Axe Hatchets at their own 33, and 32. See, and you see Makoviak in that mess as well. He's, he's the reason that, that Shank had to leap. He gets... 
low on the offensive lineman, is able to help take him down, and there's just a pile that Shank has to leap over on that fullback dive, and he does, but it's just for another short gain, four or five yards, third down and a long three coming up for the Hatchets. In the backfield, Keaton Brown, Evan Shank. You're blocking back to the right, Jake McPhee, no surprise there. On the outside, the wing back would be number seven, Griffin Meinhold. Hollingsworth wide right as well, working three yards inside the right hash. Direct snap to Keaton Brown, tries to lead blocker McPhee, and he can't, has nowhere to go fast. He's short of the first down marker again. A gain of a yard when they needed three. Tackle made by number 47, count, or 27, excuse me, Mark Heilig out of the secondary again. Fourth in less than a yard to go according to the spot. Yeah, that was a pretty healthy spot. I thought it was a one-yard gain like you said. They're going to give him almost two, making this fourth down and one. And now they want to measure this one. So we bring out the sticks for the first time tonight. 5.50 remain in the first quarter. No score between the Ubley Bearcats and the Bad Axe Hatchets. Ubley won the toss, elected to receive. Marched, had a huge return. Mark Heilig returned it from the 12-yard line for a 48-yard return all the way to the Bad Axe 40-yard line. They could not do, they had one first down beyond that 0-2 on third down, one for two on fourth downs, and could not convert on fourth and six as they're measuring out the, drawing out the sticks here. And this one is going to be a first down by a half of football. Move the chains for the first time tonight for the Bad Axe Hatchets. On a third down conversion. Uh, good run there by Keaton Brown. I, I would have certainly would have guessed he was short by a lot more than that, but a very healthy spot nonetheless is a first down for Bad Axe. Now 5.50 to go in the first quarter. Still no score, but Bad Axe on their first series gets their first first down. So a three-yard gain for Keaton Brown on that carry. First and 10 from their own 34-yard line. Sending receiver wide to the right. That's Logan Miles. In the backfield, Evan Schenk and Keaton Brown. Way in the snap, direct snap to Keaton Brown. Tries to find that right gap, and the white jersey swarmed him there after a three-yard gain out of the 37-yard line. There's a blue jersey on the bottom of the pile somewhere, and that'd be number 77, Jack Miller. Six-foot-two, 225-pound junior. This is what you're going to see the Hatchets do all game long. They're going to be more patient. They're going to continue to power the football ahead. Keaton Brown there again, direct snap on back-to-back -back plays. And all his guys to his right. Evan Shank stands to his right. McPhee is just in front of him to the right. Everybody's loaning that way. They overload that side, power football, and run it with that quarterback snack directly behind those guys. They're powered ahead for that three yards. It helped if I looked at the right roster. That's Ethan Gillig on this stop for the Ole Bearcats. Second down, seven to go from the 37-yard line. It's a direct snap to Evan Schenck. He has the first down across midfield and dragged down from behind at the 49-yard line by Matt Brandle. From the 37 across midfield, a 14-yard gain for Evan Schenck and the Hatchets move the chains. First down. And that's where the Bearcats are going to be tested is up the middle. They lost two of the best defenders in football last year, in my opinion, up the middle. And they've struggled to replace that. Those two guys making tackles in space, making tackles in the backfield, and that's where Bad X is attacking, and Evan Shank gets the direct snap, and it's supposed to go to the right, and when he gets the football, there is a huge opening on the left as Ubley is leaning to that side. He cuts back to the weak side, and there's a huge running room for him to go. He gets a big first down for Bad X now as they creep into Bearcat territory. In the backfield once again, Shank in Brown. Single wing to the left, tight end would be Jake McPhee on the right side. First and 10 from the ugly 49-yard line. There's a flag, and this is going to be a delay of game against the Bad Axe Hatchets. Dead ball foul. Delay of game. Offense. The calm demeanor of the official tonight. That is a different story from last week. <laughs> 
Yeah, he did a pretty good job. Let's yes, put did. it that way. Five-yard penalty pushes them back to the their own side of the field at the 46-yard line. First and 15 for the Bad Axe Hatchets, splitting the hash marks. Marching left to right across the radio. 4-10 remains in the first quarter. No score. Bad Axe on offense, hosting the LA Bearcats in week number nine. Hollingsworth wide to the left. Direct snap to Evan Shank, grabs the middle, breaks free of his first tackle, lunges forward, fully stretched down to the 49-yard line. That's a gain of three when all said and done. The tackle made by Kandon Peruski for the W Bearcats. Second down and 11. Nice tackle there by Peruski as he comes up and chops that down. But it's the exact same play. Just because Badex shuffles Howard around into that fullback position and move McPhee over to tight end to maybe threaten the play-action pass doesn't change the play call. It's the exact same one. It's a direct snap to Evan Shank. Keaton Brown sells a fake, a pitch to the outside, and Shank tries to cut back into that exact same hole Play goes right, he cuts it left, and Cannon Peruski cuts it down for a short gain. Second and 11 from Bannock's own 49-yard line. First down markers at the ugly 39 and a half. Receiver wide to the right, Hollingsworth, single wing to the right, working just inside the left hash, direct snap to Keaton Brown. Trying to find the sweep to the right side, and Ubley swarms to the ball at the 48-yard line. Lead the charge, linebacker Aiden Makoviak, no surprise there as well, after just a two-yard gain. Third down and eight, upcoming for the Bad Axe Hatchets. Yeah, nice job by Makoviak. He was held on that play. His jersey, you can see his left arm just jerk backwards, but he's able to fight through that and still get over and cut down the, the running back on that play, uh, Keaton Brown, for a short game. And you can see Brown, he's patiently waiting for that hole to open up, following his blockers. Makoviak, though, not so patient, chops him down for a two-yard gain. Hollingsworth wide right again, this time working off the right hash, left right across the radio at the ugly 48-yard line, facing a third down, eight and a half, third and nine. Maddox now changing the entire composure of the field, now single wing to the left, working off that right hash. Direct snap to Keaton Brown, back to pass, throwing downfield, and there is a trip. And the receiver tripped at the 43-yard line. That's Griffin Meinhold. And it falls incomplete. No receiver around for that pass. It brings up a fourth and nine. So we've seen Badax do that lately. They set up with the single wing to the right. And just before they snap it, they completely audible the play and just flip it over. And they flip the side. So now the power eye to the left. And when they snap that ball, Keaton Brown, that same fake he's been doing every time to Evan Shank, he does it on this play. Hunches down like he doesn't have the ball, and he turns and throws. It's a predetermined throw that it's going to be about a five-yard out route to the wide side of the field to Griffin Meinhold. And when he plants that foot, he completely slips, Clark, and he throws it incomplete harmlessly to the ground, and the Bearcats' defense answers the call. Griffin Meinhold's punt is high. Punt comes inside the 20-yard line and completely stops at the 18. A nice placement there for Griffin Meinhold. A 30-yard punt from Meinhold. Flips the field and the Ubley Bearcats back in offense in a 0-0 ball game. 2-18 remains in the first. Yeah, nice punt there. Nice and high. It maybe could have been a little further, but a no return and pins Ubley back inside their own 20. And this Bad X defense that stopped them the first time around has the whole field to work with now to try and make another stop. We have a timeout call by the Ubley Bearcats with 2-18 remaining in the first quarter. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network. Well, if you couldn't tell by the cheers, meanwhile, back at the ranch, Ubley comes out in a first and 10 from their own 18-yard line. 
in quarterback keeper for Evan Bruski from the 18 all the way across midfield and finally forced out of bounds at the Bad X 21 yard line. A huge run for Evan Bruski flips the field once again. And here are the Ugly Bearcats back on start with a 61-yard run for Evan Bruski. I could not wait for that commercial to get over. <laughs> right, Evan Bruski with a heck of a run to start this drive. Qu quarterback keeper sells every fake to the right, keeps it to the left, and normally it's the wide side. As soon as he gets around the tight end, he cuts it up the middle, and then it's a foot race, and he's tackled from behind, but not till he gets a huge run. It's a handoff to Kyle Bruski, hits the pile and pushes it forward across from the 20 down to the 16-yard line. The bad Hatchets claim there's a fumble at the end of the play. Nothing yet there. And they say no word yet from the officials as they're standing at the 17-yard line at the very end of that play. There was no whistle very late. Coming up with the ball, though, was number 68, Evan McAlpine. And Jake McPhee should get credit for that fumble recovery. It all depends if somebody blew the play dead because Colin Oberski hit the pile, and they stood him up. And instead of tackling him, you can see those guys ripping at the football. And this just in, Clark, they have ruled that Colin Oberski fumbled the football recovery by Bad X. So just two plays on that one. As Colin Oberski will be charged with the fumble, flips the uh, possession back to the Bad X Hatches in a 0-0 ball game, just two minutes remaining in the first quarter at the 18-yard line. And you see that quite often at all different levels. You see it on Saturday, you see it on Sunday. These guys like to run people over. Colin Obersky, no different. He's physical, he's fighting for extra yardage, and these you see the hatchets swarm, stand him up. They don't try and take him down, but they yank the football away and leave it to Jake McPhee to come up with that strips and fumble. Bad X takes over. Bad X with a single wing to the left. 7-11 in the backfield. Griffin Meinhold gets the direct snap, finds the outside edge on the far side of the uh, field, goes out, has the first down, cuts out, and he's upended to the 38-yard line by Evan Peruski for a huge gain from the 19-yard line. They're finally going to mark him down to the 39-yard line, a 20-yard pickup. Oh, a little momentum change here, Clark. And then you see Griffin Meinhold jump back into the backfield with Keaton Brown, and now which one's going to get the ball? We know they both can carry it. Now we know they both can throw the ball. This is a direct snap to Griffin Meinhold. Keaton Brown becomes the leading blocker. He seals the edge, and then it's a sprint. And if Evan Peruski doesn't cut him down, Griffin Meinhold goes the distance in a big run after the turnover. So Bad Axe with a first and 10 from their own 39-yard line. Left to right across the radio for the remaining 1 minute and 50 seconds here in the first quarter. It's 0-0 ball game. Hollingsworth wide right. Brown in Meinhold in the backfield for the Hatches. Direct snap to Meinhold. Hesitates, finds the seam, finds the hole, and pushes the pile out for a hard-fought eight yards all the way out to the 42-yard, 47-yard line. Tackle made by Ethan Gillig. Plays nose guard for this ugly defense. Second down and two. Exact same play. They, they do that single wing to the left. Everybody's over there. And on the left side is Keaton Brown. The right side is Griffin Meinhold, and he follows around the edge just the same way. Keaton Brown seals the edge, but this time Griffin Meinhold doesn't take the sideline route. He cuts it right up around that left hash mark, straight up the field, and a nice gain again on first down. It gets eight yards. Second down, two from the 47 of Bannock's own territory. Minute 12 here in the first quarter. Same formation. Jake McPhee blocking back to the right side, wing T, or single wing to the right. This direct snap to Griffin Meinhold has the first down across midfield and plows his way all the way out to the 43, maybe even the 42-yard line. Finally stopped 
by number 10, Evan Bruski for the Ubley Bearcats. First down, move the chains across midfield into Ubley territory. It's three straight handoffs, direct snaps to Griffin Meinhold, and you can see a little juice. He is absolutely hitting the holes with the utmost confidence and showing explosiveness there. Another big gain, and all of a sudden, you see Griffin Meinhold with three carries, 39 yards all coming on the last three plays. The juice is loose. No 40 seconds left it. here in the first quarter. More than likely going to be the last play of this first quarter. Same formation, working three yards inside the left trash. Left to right across your radio. In Ubley territory, the Bad Axe hatches in a 0-0 ball game. Direct snap to Griffin Meinhold again. Cuts back inside, has room to run. Drags his defender, Evan Peruski, all the way down to the 31-yard line. That's going to be enough to move the chains yet again with 23 seconds left. Stops the clock momentarily. They mark him down at the 32-yard line, so an 11-yard gain. First and 10 once again for the Bad X Hatchets, gaining yards in chunks. And nothing different. I'd like to tell you something's changed, but it's not. You see Keaton Brown and, and Griffin Meinhold both in the backfield. Keaton Brown as, as the lead blocker. Griffin Meinhold cuts it down to the right this time with a single wing to the right, and he patiently finds that hole, and when he does, explodes through it for another big gain for Bad X. We've reached the end of the first quarter, and it's the Bad X Hatchets with momentum on their side, but no score to show for it yet. We've played 12 minutes. It's 0-0 between Ubley and Bad X in week number nine of the regular season right here on the WLW Sports Network. FedEx with three first downs in this drive alone. Started their own 19-yard lines, a direct snap to Keaton Brown, and he is hit hard at the original line of scrimmage by Ken Bruski. He plays linebacker, 5'9", 175-pound sophomore for the Ubley defense. No game of the play, second down and 10 for the Bad Axe Hatches. That play did not get off to a good start. Sam Hass, number 60 for Bad Axe, found himself on the ground in the backfield. And when that's the case, there are open defenders to come flying through the gap. And Keaton Brown got both of them at the same time. No gain and a nice... Uh, that break couldn't have came any better is what I'm trying to say for the bat, for the Ubley defense. They come out with a good stop on first down. From the Ubley 32-yard line, Bad Axe second down and 10. Right to left, Grouser reading on their home blue uniforms. Direct snap to Griffin Meinhold. Misdirection back to the right side, to the far side. And he is finally tackled inside of the 25, down to the 24-yard line for an 8-yard gain. Stop made by Matt Brandel out of the secondary. 5'11", 155-pound senior. Third down, three yards to go. And that's been the issue for the Ubley defense on this series. As you've said, tackle made in the secondary way too Number many times. Number of times already. But that time, back to what they were doing before the break, Griffin Meinhold, that play is designed to go to the left. Credit to Ubley, they stopped him. But Griffin Meinhold cuts back and goes all the way back to the right hash to find himself seven yards before Matt Brandle chops him down. But here we go, third down and three with at the 24-yard line. Single wing to the right side. It's a direct snap to Evan Schenke. He has the first down. He's finally brought down inside the 20, down to the 18-yard line. Stop made by Aiden McCoviak for the linebacking core for the Ubley Bearcats. A third down conversion for the Bad Axe Hatchets. First and 10, this time from the 19-yard line of Ubley. We've seen a couple of Bad Axe games this year, and it does not matter who's doing what and how good it's working. Short yarded situations, they love to direct snap that ball to Evan Shank and watch him go straight ahead. And he does exactly that right over top of a down defensive back or defensive lineman, hops right over him and gets about five yards when he only needed three and a first down for the Hatchets. First and 10 from the 19 yard line of Ubley. Inside the red zone. 
for the first time tonight. Vanix's first drive consisted of eight plays, resulted in a punt. Second down, or excuse me, first and ten is a direct snap to Keaton Brown. He gets out for a hard-fought three yards down to the 16-yard line. Finally stopped by Parker Peruski, defensive tackle for the Ugly Bearcats. Second down and seven upcoming. And that's it, too. Baddock's going to try to wear you away. Keaton Brown is the grinder on this team. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest or most powerful, but he's the guy that they, they count on to hold on to the football and grind out yards. And he follows that right side, that loaded single wing to the right. He follows McPhee. He follows Meinhold through that hole and powers ahead for three yards. Second down, seven to go, 9.25 left in the second quarter. Still no score between Badax and Ebley in the final week of the regular season. Badax on offense inside the Ebley red zone, single wing to the right side, or left, left side. In the backfield, Keaton Brown, Evan Schenk, direct snap to Brown, cuts back in, right behind tackle, and this one goes absolutely nowhere. Stop made by number 57, Aiden Makoviak, once again for the Ebley defense. Are you sure uh, Aiden Makoviak isn't 6'3", 260? Uh, he certainly he, looks he, like he it. He plays like it, doesn't he? They're going to give him a yard on that game. Third down and six upcoming, down to the 15-yard line. Then you get down to the ugly nine-yard line. Badex one for one on third down conversions on this drive. That was a big answer there for ugly, but they have to be aware where Griffin Meinhold is on the field. We haven't seen that reverse, that jet sweep back the opposite way yet. There it is exactly. Griffin Meinhold gets the reverse, and he's tackled forward, still pumping those legs. He's going to be short of the first down marker. Gets down to about the 11-yard line. Tackle made by Makoviak once again for the LB defense, forcing a fourth down in less than two yards to go. Fourth down, a yard and a half, the other side of the nine-yard line. A little uh, bad accident player, a little slow to get up, but seems to be okay. Fourth and two. I just... Uh, Pulling out my best Tony Romo card there, but it's exactly, you just feel it coming. He, he, they, they're moving him around. He just had success being in the backfield. They moved him over to the tight end thinking that maybe I'll be able to forget about him, and they had him. Aiden Makoviak had him for almost no gain, but Griffin Meinhold fights for extra while the other Bearcats come over to make that stop. So now they're going to say it's a long two, fourth and a long two from the 11. Bad X lineup to go for it. Keaton Brown, Evan Shank in the backfield to snap to number 12 Evan Shank he has the first down across the 10 across down to about the seven yard line a gain of four when they only needed two move the chains tackle made by Ubley's number 77 Ethan Gillig move the chains first and 10 from the or excuse me first and goal to go from the seven yard line Mr. Dependable there Bad X goes right back to him in short yardage situation plows ahead for that first down Ubley stood him up for a second but they finish off that run and get a much needed first down and now First and goal for the first time tonight, and it's the Hatchets looking to try and score first. Five first downs in this drive alone. First and goal to go from the seven-yard line. Reverse to Griffin Meinhold. Breaks free, one tackle in the backfield. Gets back to the original and pushes forward for a gain of three on the play. Ethan Gillick finally tackles him forward down to the four-yard line. Griffin Meinhold was nearly stopped in the backfield for about a four-yard loss. Breaks through that one, gets some positive yards. Yeah, and that's, that's what elite athletes do, and Griffin Meinhold's one of them. But Colin Oberski had him dead to rights in the backfield, completely sniffed it out, gets off his block, but gets one arm on him, and that's just not enough. You have to chop him down. Griffin Meinhold rolls right by him and turns a four-yard loss into a three-yard gain inside the five now, second and goal to go. Six and a half to play here in the second quarter. Still no score, but Badax knocking on the door for the first time tonight. Single wing to the right side. Shank and Brown in the backfield. Blocking back Jake McPhee outside of that. The wing back. Griffin Mind holding a direct snap to Keaton Brown across the five. Gets down. He's down to the goal line. No single yet from the officials. 
and he should be in. There it is. Touchdown, Bad Axe. Cal Pokley loves it, as he should, in the Bad Axe Hatchets. Strike first tonight and draw first blood. It is 6-0. Bad Axe leading. Bad Axe going for one, trying to make this a 7-0 lead with 6.15 left in the second quarter. Yeah, it was just going to matter of time before somebody was going to break here. And it turns out two huge plays for Ubley turns into a turnover and a fourth down failure. And all of a sudden you see Bad Axe take over and they are able to find a little room. A lot of Griffin mind hold on this series. And speaking of him, he's going to attempt the extra point. Meinhold waiting for the snap. Good snap. The kick is up from Meinhold. It is through the uprights. It is 7-0. Bad Axe leading the Ubley Bearcats in week number nine of the regular season right here on the WLW Sports Network. 7-0. Bad Axe leads. Caps off his seven-minute and 45-second drive, covering 81 yards, five first downs, one for two on third downs, one for one on fourth downs, and capped off with a Keaton Brown four-yard dive in the end zone. Meinhold with the PAT is good. It is 7-0. Bad X leading the Ubley Bearcats in week number nine, and it's a mid-range kick comes down and actually rolls down to the 13-yard line brought in by Mark Heilig. Breaks free of one tackle and pushes out for the 24-yard line. Stop made by Baddocks on special teams by Devin Howard. Plays defensive end, 5'10", 175-pound junior. First and 10 for the Ubley Bearcats, trailing 7-0 with 6'11 left in the second quarter. They try to squib it away and keep it away from those return men, but it bounces all the way back there, and Ubley lets it go so that Mark Heilig gets a chance to pick it up and run with it. But by the time he gets going... That special team's bad axe is all the way downfield, and they make a nice tackle in open space. But Ubley will start this drive with their own 24-yard line, down seven, and they haven't been down much this year. No, they have not. It's a handoff to Colin Oberski. He gets out for no gain on that one. They're going to mark him down to the 24-yard line as Jack Hollingsworth got into the backfield and stopped him in his tracks at the 24-yard line, second down and 10. Great job by that front four, front seven of bad axe. Creating that penetration, filling the gaps, and Count Oberski, he hits a wall and goes down. Nowhere to go. Second down and 10 for the Bearcats. 5.45 and counting here in the second quarter. Bad Axe 7, Ubley nothing. This is just the fifth drive tonight, including one drive that was 18 seconds. That was Ubley's second drive, which consisted of just two plays and a fumble. Pass, back to pass. Evan Bruski looking, and he trips in the backfield and brings himself down at the 21-yard line. As he tried to cut back to the near sideline between the hash marks, could not keep his footing, falls to the ground, a loss of three. But Badex, though, has struggled covering the pass, so he made you wonder when this play action was going to come. And when I'm looking around, there are no open receivers. Credit to Badex Hatches. They're, the secondary must have had a good feel it was coming. There was two receivers on the play. They were both guarded, and normally a quarterback has a dump-off play, a tight end that slips to the sideline. There was none there. So when Evan Pruski started to scramble around, there wasn't much room, and he slips down and loses nothing on the play. Third and 13. It's a quarterback keeper right up the gut for Evan Pruski out to the 24-yard line, regains those three lost yards. Stop made by Blake Tulaski for the Bad Axe Hatchets. Third, uh, fourth down and 10. And this very well could be a three-and-out punt for the Ubley Bearcats. I never, I don't think uh, the quarterback there, Peruski, ever had the snap. I think he fumbled it and fell forward. And now uh, he's going to come on and snap it back to his punter after a, a very 
poor showing by the offense. Fourth down and 10, and they're going to have to punt the ball away back to this hot Bad X offense. Mark Heiling stands at his own 10-yard line. A little bit of a high snap, but he gets it away. A booming punt from Mark Heiling. Bounces at the 44-yard line into the hands of Keaton Brown to the 38-yard line. Has nowhere to go, nowhere to hide as the ugly defense on special teams brings him down at the 41-yard line. Brought down by number 77 by the Ellie Bearcats, Ethan Gillig. First and 10 for the Bad X Hatchets, leading 7-0 with 4.05 left here in the first uh, first half. A 38-yard punt from Mark Heilig. You can call it good offense, you can call it bad defense, but that was an ugly series for Ubley. Looking for them to respond before the half, get this thing back to even. Instead, what do they do? Their offense gets off the field as, quack, as quickly as they ran on. And they got to punt it away and now Bad X here in the driver's seat now at their own 41-yard line. And four minutes to go. They got all their timeouts in their pockets. They have a chance to blow the doors open and put up a two-score lead, which has been unheard of this year on the Bearcats. Direct snap to Evan Shank. He gets out to the 44-yard line for a hard-fought two yards. Ubley's defense coming to the line of scrimmage and not allowing much there. Ethan Gillig on the bottom of the pile, stopping Evan Shank in his tracks. Second down, eight to go from the 44 of a Bannock's own territory. Gillig, 6'2", 195. He's going to hold down the middle of that defense, and they are asking him to make sure that the running game does not get by him, and he does a good job there because Evan Shank, when he gets that direct snap, acts as a fullback straight ahead. He's been pretty tough to stop, and a good job there to hold him to just two yards at most. Single wing to the left side, splitting the hash marks, right to left cross your radio. The Bad Axe Hatchets marching. Direct snap to Devin Howard, has a lead blocker, has positive yards, he's finally dropped at midfield at their own 49-yard line by Mark Heilig. A big game from a third, a second down and eight to a third down and three, a five-yard gain for the Bad Axe Hatches. And Bad Axe has had a couple pretty good runs around the outside, setting up that outside run, outside sweep. And you're not seeing the Bad Axe, or the uh, Ubley linebackers, Rotate over quick enough. Bad X is getting into the secondary too quickly in an easy four or five yards for them before Heilig makes a nice open field tackle. Devin Howard and Keaton Brown in the backfield. Single wing to the right side, working off the left hash. Direct snap to Howard once again. Cuts back in. He has very close that first down marker on a second effort. Gets across the sticks down into Ubley territory. The 47-yard line stopped by Aiden Makoviak by the Ubley defense. Move the chains. They needed three. He got five. First and ten from Ubley territory. And that's that's the power team right there. You put Devin Howard on the field, and you don't have Keaton Brown out there. That's a power run. There is zero. I'm telling you, zero chance of a pass. And for the Bearcats, they got to come up and stop that run. But Badex had no issues getting that first down. Howard was right at the first down marker before he got hit by Makoviak and. He stood up, and he's able to dive ahead, use that momentum and that body size to make sure he gets a fresh set of downs now for the Hatchets. Two minutes and change here left in the second quarter. 7-0, Badax leading Ubley. Badax back on offense. Ubley could not do anything. A three-and-out punt gives Badax the ball back. Hand off to Devin Howard around the right edge, and he hits hard first. We have flags flying from every possible direction. Howard gets down to the 45-yard line, stopped by Mark Heilig, and this more than likely is going to be a hold against the Badax Hatchets. I have to agree with you. That that penalty came from behind the offense. That's almost always an Ill, some sort of illegal block or a hold on that offensive line. Holding on the offense, number 77. We repeat first down. So that's Jack Miller filling in at tight end as they moved Hayden Miles to right guard. 
as Austin Vollmering went out with an injury late in that game last week. So Jack Miller called for the hold there, brings up a first down and 18 to go for the Bad Axe Hatchets. I, I, I don't think the Hatchets can put it in cruise control here. and be, They're satisfied with a 7-0 lead, I would agree. But they have a guy that can make a field goal, arguably 40 yards and in, no questions asked. And I think with three timeouts, I'd like to see them hurry it up just a little bit, utilize these timeouts. They don't have to score, but to go into the halftime with a two-score lead would be a huge momentum boost for this team. Single wing to the right side, working from a first down and 18. Direct snap to Devin Howard, right up the gut again. Has room, it gets to midfield. He's still on his feet in a third effort across the 45 and forced out of bounds at the 40 yard line. Forced out of bounds by Ubley's number 27, Mark Heilig. Devin Howard would not stop and would not go down from a second and 18. It's now a third down and three. Oh, cool. Is a second down and 22, three. Kyle Sweeney had him cleaned up after a five yard carry. And Devin Howard just would not go down and eventually pushed Kyle Sweeney right off of him. And the best part is for the Hatchets, he finds the sideline and stops the clock after a huge 12 yard gain and still a minute and a half to go. Second down, three to go. 90 seconds left here in the first half. In the backfield for the Bad Axe Hatchers in the single wing, Keaton Brown, Evan Schenk, Hollingsworth wide right. Griffin Meinhold at the wing back to the right. It's a direct snap to Griffin Meinhold. It comes back, and there's white jerseys to meet him there in the backfield, and they're going to bring him down for a yard loss. Leading the charge was Aiden Makoviak. No surprise there for the LB defense. A loss of a yard, third down in four. Upcoming for the Bad Axe Hatchets, minute 14 remaining in the second quarter. Yeah, this offense, uh, Devin Howard with a nice run, but outside of that, hasn't really done too much. I'd be shocked if Griffin Meinhold isn't back in the backfield to at least threaten to take this snap, but it had been a while since he touched the ball, and I think Ubley had that same feeling and was ready for that reverse this time, and they shut it down for a loss as we roll under a minute. 50 seconds and counting. Back to pass. Keaton Brown rolling to his right to the far sideline. Throwing downfield. It's overreached for Griffin Meinhold. is a little over his head at the 25-yard line. Incomplete. Stops the clock with 44 seconds left in this first half. Banax facing a fourth and four from the ugly 42-yard line. Mark Heilig had excellent coverage there. Basically in his back pocket the whole time. And Keaton Brown unloads it because he's rolled out, bought time, but he's eventually under some pressure he gets rid of it but he throws it only where griffin myhold can make a play on it and even though it's thrown past mark heilig perfectly it's not a good not a good opportunity for griffin myhold as it sails incomplete timeout called by the ugly bearcats with a fourth and four upcoming rule return in 30 seconds right here on the w lw sports network bad x7 ugly nothing FedEx facing a fourth down in five, a long four, a short five from the ugly 41-yard line. They need to get to about the 37 and a half, or 36 and a half yard line. Ugly called their second time out of this first half with 44.8 seconds left. Dave Hanson, what do you think Cal Bokley has drawn up here? You know, I, I actually think if it were me, I'd, I'd punt it away at this point uh, and, and pretty much ensure the fact that I go ahead 7-0. But I give him credit for going for it here. But I, I want all my options. I want I want run-pass option. I want Keaton Brown on the move to decide if he wants to carry the ball and have some guys to throw to, whether it be McPhee, Hollinsworth, Meinhold. I want him on the move to make, make that decision for me. Man in motion. That's Jake McPhee to the near sideline, out in receiver now. And we have a timeout called by Cal Pokley and the Hatchets. 
trying to read that defense, did not like what they saw so far. That's the first timeout called by the Hatchets this quarter and half with a 7 nothing Bad Axe lead with a 4th and 5 upcoming. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network. Maddox still going for it on a fourth and four. It's a direct snap to Griffin Meinhold. He's caught at just about a yard beyond the line of scrimmage down to the 40-yard line, short of that first down marker by three yards. Aiden Makoviak stopping him in his tracks. Griffin Meinhold a little slow to get up. Maddox cannot convert on fourth down. Gives the ball back to the Ugly Bearcats with 40 seconds left in this first half. Maddox seven, Ugly nothing. So you saw Coach Polkley line it up out there. Try to draw Ubley off sides. It didn't work. He calls timeouts and then read the defense and then called a play. But it was a when you put Griffin Meinhold in the backfield, he's taken every single snap when he's been back there. And I think predictability was a little bit of an issue last week. I think everybody here knew when it was Griffin Meinhold went to the backfield, he was going to get the ball. And the Bearcats did an excellent job of making sure he doesn't get the first down. And now with a timeout in their pocket, 40 seconds to go down seven. We're going to see the spread offense for the Bearcats. Two wide to the right, one to the left. Evan Bruski on the keeper to the far sideline. Has positive yards and falls at the 45-yard line after just a four-yard gain. 33 seconds left. And Eric Sweeney calls his third and final timeout of this first half. Facing a second down and six from their own 45-yard line. Dave Hanson, uh, that's the second time we've seen Evan Bruski slip on this field tonight. Right, and I think he made a bad decision. He was trying to make a cut back to the middle of the field where he had the whole sideline. I think you take your eight, nine yards, whatever they were going to give you, and get out of bounds because by you turning back in the middle of the field, you guarantee that you are going to burn your last time out. And I, I just don't like that decision by the sophomore quarterback. I love the play call. There was a lot of running room. Badax is playing way back, allowing anything to stay in front of him. I think he could have made a nice game, got out of bounds, had enough time to call another play and reset themselves. But now, with no timeouts left, uh, they're going to have to go quite a ways here to get in field goal range. Badax on that last drive held the ball for three minutes and 25 seconds. At one first down, one for two on third down, and 0 for one on fourth downs. I'll leave now with 31 seconds left in this first half. No timeouts in their pocket, facing a second down in six at their own 45-yard line, a 55-yard field in front of them. I'm not sure what Coach Sweeney has in that spread offense. It's just not something you see very often. But I just think now that they had to use that timeout, I don't know uh, if they're going to be as aggressive as they once were going to be. And it looks like they're going to start back in the wing tee. And they're in the tee, and they're back to pass. Peruski is going to be brought down in the backfield, and he gets out of that one, still on his feet, remarkably back at the 35, has positive yards across midfield, and lunges for the outside marker, but he cannot. He stays inbounds at the 44-yard line, but stops the clock momentarily to move the chains with 19 seconds left of the 44-yard line. Uh, between you and I, Clark, I think he was sacked back there. I think, I think so. his knee hit the ground, but a heck of a play by him to escape and then scramble out to the near side here, and he almost gets out of bounds, but gets a first down. The chain gang has to move. They line it up quickly and spike the football now with 18 seconds to go. So now a second down and 10 from the Bad X 44-yard line. 18 seconds remain in this first half. We've had one score, and that goes in the hands of the Bad Axe Hatchets. Ubley still scoreless tonight. 7-0. Bad Axe leading the Ubley Bearcats with the Bearcats trying to strike here before the half is over. 
So Aubley looked like they were going to go to the wing tee and just go to the half. They dial up play action, and Peruski has to make a heck of an individual play. Now they're going to throw it again. Back to pass, and a quick pass downfield in a hot route to Kyle Sweeney of the 32-yard line. Falls incomplete as that stops the clock with 14 and a half seconds left. Now facing a third down and 10 from the Bad X 44. They had a chance, and it was you said it hot, exactly right. Evan Peruski gets the ball. It's about a one-step drop, and he fires it right off the tight end, right down the field about five yards. And the uh, receiver didn't even get turned around to make a play on it. Sails right over his head, and he's lucky there wasn't a safety there to pick it off. But again, the receiver turned around. The ball was already over his head and gone. If he's looking, that might have been a nice gain. Definitely would have been a first down, and they would have had a chance to stop the clock and spike the ball again. But, again, 14 and a half to go. Here we are, third down and 10 at the uh, hatchet 44. Left right across the radio. Two receivers to the right, one to the left. Evan Bruski in the shotgun has Mark Heiling to his left. Rolling to his left, he slips again, but he's going to be brought down to the backfield at the ugly 49-yard line, and that is going to be it for the first half as Bad X's Sam Haas brings him down for the big loss of seven yards on the play. And we've reached the end of the first half in the Bad X Hatchets lead. The Ubley Bearcats, 7-0. One score between the two teams. It's the top two defenses in the Greritham Conference. We should not be surprised by this score at all. After 24 minutes of play, it is Bad X 7. Ubley nothing on the W. LW Sports Network being powered by Anchor Valley Services.